karibu Kenya mali tuko na tabia zetu Mojao is tuning in into the sports bar <laughs> I have nothing to say to you at this point you sounded like a 68 year old man talking about the good old days oh my god welcome back to the sports bar with your host as always dear and your favorite barman kibs thank you for joining us and as always remember to follow us on our socials on instagram at the sports bar ke and on facebook the sports bar let's get into this right so it has been a quite a delicious week in terms of sports and now we'll get into a segment called the rundown where we talk about everything that happened in the world of sports between Monday and today. So Drew, why don't you tell us what's been going on? By delicious if you mean NBA basketball then yes. Yeah, so from our last show, <laughs> from our last show, we got into the second round of the NBA playoffs with the, the semi-finals of basically Yeah, the semi-final of both conferences. Yep. So four teams left in each conference is going head to head. Uh in the Eastern Conference we had the uh, Hawks going up against the 76ers. Ego mana. Game one, the Hawks won, <laughs> which was very surprising. Honestly. Yeah, because Joel Embiid threw everything except the kitchen sink at the 76ers. Uh, the Hawks, I mean. The Hawks had a really good shooting game that day with they were making most of their shots. Mm. Trey Young was very good of Uh, Danilo Gallinari was good all through with their shooting so they I think it was just an off day for the Sixers because yeah. most of their shooting was off and then their defense was you know, well, let's just admit the Hawks were a bit lucky but well, all that came to a head in the second game yeah, all that came to a head in the second game yeah. with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons dominating them of course it yes. was bound to happen it, and, yeah, it was bound to happen at some point so yeah that series ends up goes into game 3 on uh Tuesday? No, 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 no. Wednesday. This Friday. So it goes into game three tomorrow morning. Actually, yeah. yeah. Morning. So the series is tied at one-one going into game three tomorrow morning. Hawks, Sixers, watch out for that one. The other game in the Eastern Conference is between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. After game one and two, which were in Brooklyn, and uh, Milwaukee seemed like they were gonna get whooped. <laughs> Everything changed every- when the beard man. Got an injury. Yeah, so <laughs> in game one, James Harden got hurt within the first 43 seconds of the game. Which is ridiculous. Which I is mean, ridiculous, for a high-intensity sport, yes, basketball is, but you didn't expect someone to tear a hamstring just by jogging. He's been struggling with a hamstring throughout the entire season, so I guess it's just something very recurrent. Now, since that happened... Since uh, that happened, they won game one comfortably without James Harden, came into game two. They also won that comfortably with Kevin Durant just dominating the Bucks. Yeah. But coming into game three today morning, uh, was on form. everything stepped up a bit. Yeah, with Yanis and Chris Middleton upping their game and making their mm-hmm. shots today, dominating the Brooklyn, who also had a very off day in terms of shooting with Jay. I think it was uh, Harris had like one of six or something for three shooting. Was it? They had a really off day. So the Bucks statistic. won that game and yeah, brought them back into this game with the series uh, now. At two one. At two one, but yeah, it looks very interesting. Though, watch out for game four on Sunday morning. Now the game which had me shocked. In Milwaukee, yeah. The game which had me shocked actually is the next one you are about to talk about. The Suns going the into the Western Conference. Yes, <laughs> yeah. This is okay to me. It's not surprising because honestly, it's shocking. I was shook. The Suns had the best record in the NBA the entire year. Chris Paul the all first of a sudden seed, is yeah. Superman. Like, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, <laughs> DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> 
Uh, those guys are dominating. You know, generally, the I thought the Nuggets would put up more of a fight. I thought it would be a closer match. You know, I thought Suns got lucky when they uh, eliminated the Lakers, but Kumbia, they actually they're are a very playing good, team, good yeah, cause, basketball. Uh, in the first two games, they've been at home, mm-hmm. winning both games and leading the series 2-0 against the Nuggets currently. Watch out for game three of that tomorrow morning as well. But Chris Paul and Devin Booker have been really good, honestly. No one seems to be matching up to them. Mm-hmm. The... The Nuggets are shorthanded Kidogo with Jamal Murray's injury and Michael Porter also had an injury in that game. He yeah. was struggling with his back. So, I don't know. They just also had an off day, but now the series turns, shifts back to you, uh, to Denver. So, let's see how they perform at home. And it, finally? And finally, in the other semifinal is... Sheesh, this is... Uh, honestly, I predict this to go seven damn games with Donovan Mitchell high. going... Listen, Donovan Mitchell going up against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and the Los Angeles uh, well, yeah, They might even have Cool and the gang. They are going home. They're not. <laughs> In the first two games of that series, Jazz laid 2-0 at home with mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell dominating the Hey, she's been dominating the Clippers the last week, the first two games. Exactly. He's, hey, he's, and I had, see, uh, he's had his way with them. And I don't see things changing. I mean, Clippers in the first round were to nail down and then they came back. But exactly. I don't see so, that happening again. Listen, the sh- series shifts back to LA. LA. With uh, Kawhi Leonard, you, you know what Kawhi is like, man. You yeah. know, you saw how he stepped up in the last two games of the other series with mm-hmm. uh, Maverick. So. Honestly, I can't write them out currently after what happened in the, in the previous series, but this is a totally different monster they are facing in the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell and the gang is mad crazy. He has shooters all around him. And the sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson on that team as well, who is dominating the NBA this year as well. So the Clippers are facing a very different monster here. They're down in the series 2-0. So I don't see them coming back. What's out for game three of that on Monday or Tuesday morning? Actually, speaking of the first game between the Clippers and the Mavs, Doncic was voted the NBA MVP. No, it was... Uh, Doncic? No, it was... Uh, Luka? Luka. No, Nikola Jokic. Yes, Jokic. you Oh, yeah, Jokic, Doncic. Hey, look, yeah, I'm Nikola not Serbian. Jokic. Yeah, Nikola Jokic was voted the NBA MVP. The defensive mm-hmm. player of the year is uh, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. Jazz. Yeah, and then we have the sixth man of the year also from the Utah Jazz in Jordan Clarkson. Uh, the coach of the year goes to the New York Knicks, uh, Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we have a few more awards coming through. The, I think they're awarding them day by day as we move mm. on through the playoffs. So we'll keep giving you more updates on who takes Oh, and uh, LeBron decided to change his jersey number because of the, the coming up movie. Yeah. The Space Jam yeah, 2. Yeah, he said... He'll be wearing the number 6 Yeah, next from next season, he'll take up the number 6 jersey from the number 23, which is very iconic, I think, honestly. It's yeah. been associated with LeBron James for... MJ. If okay, you think yeah. 23, you don't think LeBron, you think MJ. Okay, yeah. Jordan, Brad. So, so uh, it wasn't only basketball going on this Honestly, week. this week was mostly basketball. We had a bit of tennis. You want to... Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it was mostly basketball. Well, uh, shove off. <laughs> okay, shove off. Okay, okay. Tell us about tennis. Well, things got off interesting enough. Uh, during the quarterfinals, which were played uh, early in the week, we saw, was it really a riot? Can you call a herd of tennis supporters a riot? <laughs> well, basically, they were complaining about the COVID restrictions and curfew because apparently, in France, yeah, <clears throat> yeah where there's a curfew whereby the fans have to be back home, mm-hmm. basically like what we have in Kenya. And that's what they were protesting because the games were still going on. This led to Djokovic's uh, match to get delayed. However, he managed to win and get himself into the semifinals. 
which are going on uh, today, actually, for the men's. Yeah, as we speak, I think. One of the games we've been seeing for, I think, over a decade now, uh, Djokovic and Nadal. They, yeah, they go at it again in the quarterfinals. It will semi. be... Oh, semi, yes, yeah. the semi-final. I think it will be starting at around, in an hour or so, at yeah. five. Yeah. And uh, the second semi-final is Zverev. The numbers, Zverev, yeah. yeah, the number six seed taking on Tsitsipas, the number five seed. Okay. So those are so, two really good games. The, uh, the ladies are actually the finals have been decided. Yeah, the the semis were played yesterday with Krejikova taking on uh, Sakurai and Pavlyuchenkova taking mm-hmm. on Zidancek. Uh, we had Krejikova win against Sakurai, 7-5, 4-6, and 9-7 in the final set. And Pavlyuchenkova beating Zidane, Zidancek in the first two game sets, 7-5, uh, 6-3. Setting up a final between Krejikova and Pavlyuchenkova. Watch out for that tomorrow on Saturday as well. Yeah, it's actually been quite interesting at Roland Garros this yeah, year. Yeah, if you like tennis, then you probably enjoy the clay court. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out for the finals this weekend for them, both male and females and the doubles as well. Yeah. We'll keep you up to date on our show on Monday. So that's it for the rundown, I guess. Yeah, Let's thanks. move into the new, the other segment. Right. It's Friday. So as always, it's the weekend. We give you a dose of what to expect this weekend in this segment, which you call the weekend preview. So, let's see. Yep, yep, What yep. do we have this weekend? Uh, where do you want to start? Well, there's a lot going on this weekend, but I think I'll start with Copa America. We have Copa America as yeah. well starting. So, yeah, the Euros are also starting, but we have a segment for that called the Euro Special. Watch out for that. Yes, too. so let's get into the Copa America. I mean... The weekend preview. The, week, the Copa America has been quite interesting because there was a lot of uh, problems coming in with the hosting nations. It was supposed to be a collaborative effort, but there were kind of like... Well, how do I put this? It wasn't really a revolution, but more a call to a revolution in Colombia, which led them being ousted as hosts. And uh, that led to Argentina also pulling out because it was supposed to be hosted by Argentina and Colombia. Uh, but now Brazil have been given the reins. Uh, a lot of players didn't want it to come to Brazil. But, you know, Brazil has the infrastructure yeah. to be able to host a lot of the games. So it looks like it will go ahead with the game starting locally on uh, Monday morning at midnight, basically. Uh, we have two groups, as always. Uh, group A has Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Venezuela. Seems like a very interesting group uh, with Brazil and Colombia. <laughs> very good players. And uh, let's not forget Peru, who actually have one of the most entertaining attackers to watch in Italian football in Gianluca Lapadula. Mm. And uh, Venezuela can be dark horses. You never know with them what you, you get. You never know what to expect. Yeah, yeah. you'll either get victims of <laughs> being beaten or you get a team that qualifies immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Samba boys are re- looking really good. They that look. team, Richarlison and Neymar in their friendlies have been immense. They're scoring for fun. Like, and They look like they're going to take the group, but you yeah. can never write out Colombia. Yeah. Actually, Colombia decided to leave out one of their heavy hitters, uh, James Rodriguez, because they weren't sure on his fitness levels. But they still have a really good squad with the likes of Luis Muriel and uh, Duvan Zapata coming into the side. Uh, group B, actually, <laughs> over here you can already predict the teams who are coming out. Okay, we have Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Paraguay, and Uruguay. That's 
group of boys, <laughs> boys of death. <laughs> it's it's a very interesting group with Argentina, Chile, and Uruguay both having a chance to win the group. Yeah, and uh, are, Paraguay think, as well because Paraguay do play really good football. Yeah, and uh, Argentina are kind of like that team which they have so much potential but they never realize it. So I never rate them. But I genuinely think Chile will come out of this group on top. Don't write off Uruguay. Yeah. They have a very good squad. Uh, going forward. <laughs> I mean, Diego Godin is now an old man. And uh, I don't think you can the count on Jimenez. Very... And, uh, what's the only, Jimenez is good enough. Yeah, he is good, but I mean, it depends on who he's playing alongside. Yeah, Jimenez Godin is a good combo. It worked for Atleti for a very yeah, long but, time. Yeah, uh, but this Sebastian Coates is a good to defend as well. Coates is the old one now. This is old one is <laughs> Uh, you never know that Uruguay side is aging, but mm-hmm. at least they have a young and active midfield with the likes of Luca Torreira on yeah. the side. Bentancur. Yeah, they have a bunch of young talent coming through in their front line and their midfield. So, yeah, so they, watch out for Uruguay in Group B as well. And they have one of the best shot stoppers in Muslera. Yeah, yeah. So, what games are we expecting over the weekend? Well, actually, depending on how you view Sunday and Monday, that midnight point, we mm. kick things off with the Brazil versus Venezuela. Looks like a good game for the Brazilians to get started with. Try experiment with your side a bit, find your strongest side, whether you'll play Alisson or Ederson, or if you'll just decide to put, uh, what's this guy, Richarlison in goal because you think it's an easy game, it's up to you. <laughs> and then we have uh, Colombia and Ecuador playing on Monday at 3 a.m. That's also a pretty good game. Yeah, that's a good game. Ecuador are always an interesting side because they have a lot of players based in South America. They don't really come to Europe that often. I think the last couple I can think of are the Valencia, you know, Ena and Antonio. Antonio. (laughs) Yeah. So you never really see the players play a lot of European football. But when you watch the country play football, they are one of the most entertaining sides. Because they really die for the team. Mm-hmm. And on uh, basically later that Monday or early Tuesday morning, again, depending on how you view midnight, the, we have probably one of the biggest games of the week in Argentina taking on Chile, which has been our final more than once. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, last time these two teams met in a competitive <laughs> matchup, it's when we saw Messi get into a fight against their captain, Gary Medell. So... It's spicy. always fireworks when these two teams meet. Seems like it's going to be a spicy Copa America to watch out. Yeah. So actually, I'm really excited. My sleeping patterns are going to be fucked for the next couple of weeks, but I'll be happy. Way worth it. On to the weekend. Where are my fighters at? Where are my fighters at? So we have a very interesting... I'm a liver, not a fighter. <laughs> we have a very interesting rematch. Actually, two rematches. We have very two interesting rematches this weekend in the UFC with Adesanya Vittori 2 mm-hmm. and... Uh, Figueredo 2 and Moreno 2. Oh no, Figueredo and Moreno 2. Yeah, That's a very interesting battle because UFC 263 going down this weekend. Adesanya and Vittori, the first time they met wasn't really a title bout. It was a friendly. It was an more of a, Yeah, let's call it that. But Adesanya dominated Vittori but winning the fight the first time. But Vittori has never actually considered losing the fight. Mm-hmm. He always said that he won the fight because it was a split decision between judges but he always considered that he won the fight mm-hmm. so he's been talking smack talking to Adesanya really Adesanya has been responding and now we have a heavyweight matchup in the in the middleweight division between Israel Adesanya who's the UFC champion yep. in the middleweight division going defending his title against Marvin Vettori the Italian 
who's the number one contender for that title right now. So watch out for that middleweight bout coming out this weekend. In the other co-main event, we have in the flyweight category, Figueroa. Davison Figueredo. Figueredo, Figueroa. Yes, going up against Brandon Moreno. So the first time these two guys met was a very epic battle. Mm. It was supposed to be fight of the year last year. That was December 2020. But they were bitten to it by a women's fight between... Zhang Weili and uh, I can't remember the other lady's name. There was a very good fight between those ladies, but yeah. this was supposed to be the fight of the year because it actually ended in a split, in a draw. The <laughs> judges voted. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't decide who would Yeah, setting it up for a very interesting rematch this yeah. weekend on UFC 263. Every fighter right now has got uh, enough time to rest, enough time to train for this camp. It's a very interesting fight in the flyweight division between Davison Figueredo, who is your champion, going up against Brandon Moreno, who is the number one contender for the title. So it's going to be an epic, epic fight. So we have two titles on the line. Two titles on the line. Those are the two four great fighters. Four great fighters. And then in the welterweight category, we have the return of the great in 80 years as well. He's no longer great. <laughs> Formerly great. Let, let's just years. call him what he is a blood. <laughs> Going owner. up against a very interesting person in uh, Leon Edward, who's been coming up the ranks very fast as well. Mm. Uh, Nate is a veteran, honestly. I a blood know, donor. I don't know what to expect <laughs> from him this weekend. I hope he'll put up a good fight. I mean, Maybe get back into the in the into contention for. It's time you know. to put the veterans out to pasture. I mean, but we yeah. saw it with Tony Ferguson. I'm sure we saw it with Conor McGregor, and I'm sure we'll see it with Nate Diaz. If Leon Edwards passed. can manage to put him down, that would honestly signal the end of him in in the UFC. So let's wait and see. Maybe but he'll become a coach on how to bleed. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah, so that's it for your weekend preview. We have so much more coming up, but we have an entire segment for that called the Euro Special, yeah. which is coming up right next. So let's delve into that. Yeah, and make sure you follow us on our social media on Instagram at the Sports Bar KE and on Facebook, the Sports Bar. So now it's time to get into our next segment, which is called the Euro Special. With yeah. the Euros having so much hype, we As want we... to. Get into it and cover as much of it as possible. As we mentioned uh, in our previous episode, now we'll be we'll dedicate this segment strictly for the Euros because we expect a very exciting tournament with a bunch of very very special teams, special uh, squads going up against each other. So, and we have the Euros kicking off today, so it's, <laughs> it's an exciting time. It's well, exciting it's exciting, but you know there are always those group of fans who get carried away. Apparently, it's coming home. It's coming home. <laughs> or whatever Can you let tune the English is. be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would if they actually had a chance. But anyways. They do. They do. But we can argue about what, that. What drugs time. have you been doing, old man? We can argue about that. So actually things are getting uh, kicking off today in high gear with a very entertaining game between the Turks and the Italians. One of the hottest, youngest, hottest teams in the in Europe right now in Italy mm. and going um, up against a very unpredictable, and unpredictable Turkish side. I mean, for those of you who are alive uh, hundreds of years ago, this is Constantinople versus Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're looking at an Italian side who have done a lot of renovations, especially in the front four, like, yeah. and uh, coming into the defense, they decided to keep the cooler heads. So we have a team that is balanced in both age, experience, youth, 
and peace. And I think honestly that will give them advantage over everyone else in this tournament yeah, because going forward the midfield has some very exciting young talent. Because you say have and the, sensei, uh, in, Pesina. Pesina. In uh, what's the name of this inter young boy? Uh, yeah. Chiesa is mm. also in the little there's this young short midfielder. Oh, Barella, Nicolo yes, Barella. Nicolo Barella, who's and, very exciting. As and well. alongside them, you have and the likes of Jorginho and Marco Verratti. Yeah, who are and Senior in the squad yeah, as well. Experience. A lot of experience. So, and, Italians have a good chance of going all the way in this tournament. And one of the best keepers uh, probably in the tournament in Gianluigi yeah, Donnarumma. So honestly, you don't have much to say about them apart the from their part, aging defense. Obviously. The only part I really see them falling short are in the fullbacks position because uh, the two options they have who I see will be starting are Alessandro Florenzi and uh, Spinazzola, who I wouldn't rate as world class. So that's where they might struggle, especially under against a Turkish side who will have a lot of uh, width and uh, great crosses coming in to search for their target man, who could be Burak Yilmaz. Hopefully playing for playing with uh, Bonucci and Chiellini at the back there, those hey. two cool heads will give Florenzi and Spinatola very calm heads. And just... no, I don't see Chiellini playing. I see Chiellini just But they also have heads. Timothy Castagna, yes? No, that he's uh, Belgian, actually. Oh, yeah, Castagna is Belgian. Not they Castagna, have Mancini. Yeah, they have Roberto Mancini. Yeah. Yes, it's true. The manager is Roberto Mancini. Yes. <laughs> they have the defender, Mancini, from, from Roma. Roma. He's yes. a centre-back. He's a centre-back. Yeah. Who could so, partner Bonucci? But the thing is, we're talking about full-backs. Yeah. Food, Spinazzola, Florenzi. That's that's it. Nah, they have, Damian, Damian could also fill in, honestly. I don't even think he was. Honestly, yeah. So that's the first game of yeah, Euro twenty. When it comes to the Turkish side, let's not be so biased. Turkey have been actually they have one of the, they have exciting young players as well, especially if we look at their backline. Because uh, despite his failure at Schalke and Liverpool this season, Ozan Kabak has been immense in their charge to get to the Euros. Uh, partnered with Kagla Soyuncu, that is a solid back too. Going up against in Shiro Immobile, Kolo <laughs> Barella. Yes. I mean, I generally honestly, think I'd they could. and Kabak honestly a chance, but I, and one of the most accurate passers and free kick takers in midfield in Hachan Chanaloglu. That will give to you because they, they have, have a very exciting midfielder. Despite honestly. him and, uh, being the, relegated, Yokuslu is also a very good midfielder, and he can hold that team together yeah. and protect the. And Yilmaz has had a very good year too in the front line, so he could lead. The, he could lead the line properly. So. Yeah. But honestly, I don't give them a chance. I'm more of Italy. This I'm a huge fan of Italians. So I'll go Italy. That's the first game of Euro 2019, which yeah, was 2020. Yeah. It is 2019. 2020. Supposed to be played here last year. Yes. Oh yeah. High. See, we're in 2020. What's wrong? We're in 21. What drugs have you been doing? PCP is not your friend. <laughs> yes, Euro 2020. That's the first game kicking off today. The, though we have a bunch of games over the weekend, so we'll just give you a. Uh, the rundown of what's to happen over the weekend over the Euros. Mm-hmm. What games do you have? Well, I know the second game to be played between with... Wales and Switzerland, which yeah. is on Saturday. Watch out for that game as well. The Welsh with Gareth Bale. Ramsey being injured yeah. as usual. I don't think anyone was surprised. They have Allen who's been playing Stoke in the Championship for the longest time. They do have Harry Wilson who is a very highly rated Liverpool Playing youngster. in the championship as well. But, and Dan James, who he's well, yeah, he's, he's, he's just the runner. <laughs> he, he can just run. But with uh, gigs as their manager, would 
did you expect? Yeah, the likes and the worst part is their defense looks to be very short-handed with probably Ethan Ampadu and uh, Colchester uh, starting. But they're going up against a very good suicide. Yeah, with uh, well, Granit Xhaka has had a good season despite our small struggles. Uh, We have Jadon Shakiri, who I genuinely think was just called up because of his contributions before. I don't think he deserved it. But on when we look further up the line, we have the likes of Zuba and uh, Brilembolo, who have had really good seasons for the team. Brilembolo was actually part of the Mönchengladbach team that beat City. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of potential in that side, and they have two of the best short stoppers in Germany, in Jan Sommer and Roman Berkey. Yeah, on Saturday we also have uh, we also have Denmark and Finland. I think it's a Scandinavian party. <laughs> yeah, that is one. I mean, Denmark have you feel qualified. Like the Danish do in this game. Yeah, but they qualified at the expense of the Irish, and uh, well, there's an Irishman playing for Finland in uh, Oshogasi. <laughs> so he might want to get revenge for his homeland, I think. I'm not sure. And Finland do have a good attacking side, especially when you look at Timu Puki and the season he had with Norwich. So, yes, Denmark might win it, but they also could be shocked. Also, on Saturday, we have Belgium going up against Russia with oh, yeah. the the Belgians being the favourites to win this tournament alongside you, the French. You right off Mother Russia so easy. <laughs> I mean, Russia do have what... Going of, up against Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne, Dries Martins. De Bruyne, first of all, still has the eye socket nose uh, injury. So, so even with play. a mask, he yeah. might not play this first game. Along with him, Axel Witzel is Either also way, unavailable. Yuri Tillmans has had a very good season. True. Okay. But he's not... You cannot compare uh, Tillemans' contribution to De Bruyne as they play two very different games. That's fine, but... Eden I Hazard mean, has been more of a liability than... Chris Martins has been superb, honestly. Uh, true. I'm telling you, these guys are going to have a bit. The only question I also have with uh, the the Netherlands is their, the, not Belgians. the Belgians, the Royal Belgians is their defense as well. Yeah, because, because Jan Vertonghen is not, not as, a left back. He's not a left back. And mm. I mean, Timothy Castagne, that's why they're planning to play with a back three and have Nasir Chadli and Timothy Castagne play as uh, wide fullbacks. So it could work in that vein. And then you have Older Viral, Vertonghen, and uh, Denaya or uh, Vermalen playing as the What's back the three. the name of this other young man? This, Diedrich uh, Boyata. Yeah, Boyata. Yeah, so they have options, which isn't the problem. Yeah. The problem comes in when they're playing a Russian side with one of the most physical giants in football in our team, Zuba as a striker. And they have a midfield comprised of... Uh, Alexander Golovin, who had an immense season with Monaco, and uh, what's this guy called? The one who got an injury in the World Cup after two games. Uh, His name escapes me. I'll get back to you. Zagoev. Yes, Zagoev. Either way, they're going up against the Belgians. Their biggest problem with Russia, actually, is the age of the team. Because they still are carrying, I, I don't know if you remember him, you were probably a young man back then. Yuri Jakov. Mendelango. <laughs> yes, Yuri Jakov. Who Chelsea. played in Ch- for Chelsea yes. in 2004. Yes. He's about 38 right now and he's still being played as a left back by Russia. That's why I'm telling you they don't have a chance going up against Spurs. Yeah, okay. they're, they're probably going to be spanked. That's the other game on Saturday. What's the other game on, uh, Sunday. We, on, Sunday, on Sunday? Ooh, we have England versus Croatia. It's coming home. It's coming. I don't know if that's the song they really use. But basically what's going to happen is it's going to be a free-flowing game of football and then you'll realize Gareth Southgate is not a manager when he's beaten by Croatia. I mean, this is a different look Croatian side to the one which got to the World Cup finals. 
but they did beat England on the way there, if you can remember. Yes. The core of the team, it's just maybe uh, Demagoy Vida, Dejan Lovren, and Luka Modric, who's, who are going to be in the team. Even Perisic. Perisic might not start. Rebic. Yes, Andre Rebic will be part of the side, but he's still young, so he's not really at the point where the team will count They him. still have this Kovacic, Chelsea, Kovacic, yeah. Yes. So, so it, honestly, they have a good team to and go Visalco up. is going yeah. to be. Yeah, they have a good <laughs> team to go up against the English because the English have a weakness, and if there's one weakness they have, it's their midfield. I don't think they'd be able to keep up with Luka Modric in that midfield, especially if he's on form. Yeah. You know, the only difference is this time he doesn't have the. Partnership with Rakitic, the almost telepathic I'm you, relationship Kovacic, they had. Kovacic can play that role, honestly. And uh, but if he doesn't play, they still do have Badie and Brozovic exactly. from Inter. So there's a lot of options in that midfield. Yeah. And in attack, they do have uh, Kalinic, Kramaric, and uh, Petkovic. Petkovic has been given the green light to start most of the games, so I guess he'll be the one we see. Yeah, when it comes to for... England, England have probably the most lethal striker in the whole tournament in Hurricane. The problem is who to play around him. Jack Grealish has been impressive, but again, will you leave out Jadon Sancho, Rashford and Sterling for him? When we come into the midfield, uh, Henderson isn't fully fit, let's be honest. And Jude Bellingham, yes, he's a great talent, but he's still young. And that's why I'm telling you, that's where the problem comes mm-hmm. in for me. Because I don't think they'll be able to match. Let's say if Croatia go... With a midfield trio of Kovacic, Kovacic, Modric, and Modric. And Modric. <laughs> as in, who would be able to Henderson and Bellingham? Honestly, they wouldn't be able to keep up with that. Especially because they decided to leave uh, James Ward-Prowse out of the squad, who is a workhorse. Yeah. The only place where they are solid is in right back, apparently. And Pickford is not a reliable keeper. He makes more errors than a dilapidated computer. Anyways. <laughs> England and uh, against Croatia on Sunday. That's your first game. That should be very interesting. Yeah. In another game on Sunday also we have Austria. Again, it's going up against North Macedonia. Which, Broken Pandev. <laughs> it should also just be a walkover. It really isn't going to be. Like, I, North Macedonia, coming to the Euros was quite shocking. Their path to it was they had to go through the playoffs. They fought hard and they made it. And I think they're going to be the dark horses. I think everyone thinks it's going to be an easy game, but no, they're going to fight. And watch, they're out gonna for, dig in. watch out for Austria just whooping their butts and I sending mean, them back to Macedonia. I mean, God, you want it too. I, but the battle of that match will be on the left side for Macedonia against the right side for Austria because we'll have two of the quickest players uh, in the tournament in Asian Alioski taking on Valentino Lazzaro. And that's where the battle could be won or lost. And another option for uh, Austria will be the versatile winger come fullback uh, liner. And so Alaba playing in midfield, being the captain, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah. Uh, what's the last game on Sunday? The last game is the one I'm most excited to watch because we are having the Dutch taking on the Ukraine. The Ukrats? Ukrainians? Ukrainians? Yes. yes. Whichever it is, actually. I'm not really sure. The Dutch are really confusing. <clears throat> Going into this tournament before Frank de Boer was appointed, they looked like a very exciting, brilliant team under Ronald Koeman. Yeah. When this Debo guy came, team, that team looks very shabolic. It just it looks, looks like all a, over the place. It, they don't know. They don't want to play for that manager. You don't know what's happening. You see, Mourinho squad. said it best. 
Uh, Frank De Boer, the players playing under him, will not respect him as a manager. They'll respect his football playing career because he had a very good one. That's the only reason they're listening to him. When he came into the side, they went from a team to a one-man unit. You get it became Depay dragging them, kicking and screaming to victories, not the team moving forward. Yeah. But when we look at teams with a good balance, you cannot overlook. They have much. one of the best squads in the, the tournament. The only well. squad which might have more balance than them, I'd have to say, is the French. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at the Dutch, in goal you have Jasper Silensen. Made a terrible career move to go to Barcelona, but recovered it when he moved to Valencia. Okay. Right back, we have the options of Veltman or Dumfries. We come to centre-backs, you have De Vrij, you have uh, Um Kijanwa, you have De Ligt, you have Netanak. Okay. And on left-back, you have the options of Patrick Van Arnold and Deli Blind. Deli Blind, who's a utility man. So even if you put him as a post-box, he'll receive the mail. Mm-hmm. Then in midfield, you have the ever-reliable holding midfielder in Martin Derun. Then when we come into his partners up front, you have uh, De Jong and Wijnaldum. The youngest, De Jong has been impressive from the time he played for Ajax all the way into Barcelona, uh, Barcelona. into the national team. And then when you come into the front three, you have Memphis, you have Quincy Promise, and uh, they left Bagvin at home, which was hilarious on my part. I died laughing. They didn't have a very good season. <laughs> and they have uh, Luke De Jong. Uh, classic target man had a good season under Lopetegu with Sevilla. So yes, as a, a balanced team, they have all the elements. The problem comes in with the manager. And they go against a Ukraine side, which is refurbished, which has come back from the depths of... I don't think of... Shevchenko is going to take this team anyway. I mean, he did as a player. Why not as a manager? And this time, it's going to be difficult because those are two different Compare the two teams that the one he played for and the one he's managing now. He has more talent now than the talent that was available back <laughs> when then. When he was playing. Yeah. And look at this. You have... Uh, champion in Alexander Zinchenko who can either play as a left back, left winger or attacking midfielder where they've been playing him uh, with the Ukraine. You have this uh, Yamalenko and Konoplyanka who are two great wide men who when they cut in, you know something Yamalenko's is going been to in the happen. Premier League. There's not much he's been doing. Because of injuries. But he is, those moments he is fit, he's one of the most lethal right wingers yeah, available. Yeah, And when we look at their goalkeeper, number one for Shakhtar Donetsk, Piatov. I mean, this team, and oh yeah, let's not forget the defensive rock in Malos. Ukraine really have a chance to come out of this group. Yes, this will be a tough first game for them. But if they can pull through a result, whether it's a draw or a win, they're going to make it into the knockout stages. Yeah, so that's your weekend Euro matches. So on Saturday we have... Uh, we have, actually today, we have... Oh, Turkey today we have the first game kicking off today between yeah. Turkey and Italy. And the opening ceremony. Yes, and the opening <laughs> ceremony. If you love that, you can watch out for that. The game kicks off at about 10 p.m. Kenyan yeah. time. You can watch out for the opening ceremony from around 8 p.m. Kenyan time as well. Mm-hmm. So the second game of the weekend, which is tomorrow, is uh, Wales against Switzerland. Followed and then after by that, Denmark and Finland. And then we, and then the last game of Saturday, we have Belgium going up against Russia. Sunday, early kickoff, we have England and Croatia. The second game of the day is Austria-Macedonia. And the weekend rounds off with Netherlands versus the Ukraine. Yeah, so on our Euro special on Monday, we'll give you all the rundown of the weekend's games and give you a preview of the games from Monday into the week yeah. uh, that's it for your euro special for today yeah let's get into our new segment into our last segment of the day which is called the uh, your news segment 
where we get to give you all the news that's been happening since it's the summer transfer window yeah but in europe we have a bunch of things going on in the sports world as well so what do you want to start i want to start with why don't we we haven't done this in a while what predictions <laughs> yeah we have honestly yeah let's pick out like a game each a let's game pick, each. let's pick a game each from the euro games over the weekend yeah and then see who comes out of this okay so predicting what, me mm. I want to take the Belgium Russia game. I know it mm. seems obvious, but yeah, that's why I picked it. <laughs> boo, <laughs> yeah, boo, so boo, boo. I just picked Belgium to win this one easily. I think it's they. Close. It's Roman Lukaku <laughs> with Lukaku scoring a double. Not a hat trick. Oh, ye of little faith. Anyways, mm. uh, I think uh, me. I'm just excited. Ukraine are back, and I'm gonna predict this game. Mm. It's sad that they're gonna lose, but. I don't think they lose badly. I see a 2-1 uh, win for Netherlands with both goals being scored by Memphis. But I genuinely see Zinchenko scoring a 25-yard screamer. So, 2-1. So, on to the news, which, honestly, it's very interesting. So, apparently, at the beginning of... Uh, no, I know that. Yeah, at the beginning of June... Yep. Yeah, Ginny Wijnaldum's contract issued with Liverpool. Yeah. So his scouts have been everywhere over Europe sourcing for the for the best spot to land for him. And they have apparently chosen one in well, they had chosen one in Barcelona, mm-hmm. but Utah. Yeah, he has so signed he's a signed contract. a three year deal with Paris Saint Germain yeah. where he's getting a lot of chums. But let's be honest, uh his first decision where he was willing to go was to play under Ronald Koeman in uh the Netherlands. But the difference came in when Barcelona actually told his representatives that they're not willing to change their offer to compete with PSG. So as an aging player and you're looking retirement is around the corner. It makes sense that he'd want the biggest payout for the shortest time. But why do you think Liverpool didn't renew his contract? They offered, but uh, Wijnaldum turned them down early in the season. He was going to move on. Last season, he was supposed to be sold to Barcelona, but the deal didn't happen. So they already knew that he was going to leave. And looking at Liverpool currently, they have too much of an overload in that midfield position for them to fight over an aging... <laughs> Genuine. Yeah. yeah, they got Thiago... Curtis Jones, Jones. Uh, Harry Wilson is coming back from loan. So they do have the score depth to cover him. It just depends on it just depends on finding someone who can give them as much as what Ginny did. Yeah, because but let's be honest, the Champions League win all came down to the brace Ginny Wijnaldum scored. Yeah, yeah, they come back against, against Barcelona. Barcelona yeah. Yeah. But honestly, now, on to his move to PSG. What does it bring to PSG now? Well, first of all, his experience, and he is a born winner. Yeah. I mean, he suffered every high and low in football. Let's not forget he was relegated with Newcastle yeah. before moving to Liverpool. So you're coming into a PSG side, which, yes, they have potential, but they don't have... They don't know how to realize it. Yeah, they got to the semifinals of the Champions League yeah. this year. And you have a manager who, yes, he might be allergic to trophies, but knows how to field a side. So when you have the partnership of Leandro Paredes and uh, Gini Wijnaldum and Yoda, They still have Marco Verratti. Yeah. They have... Danilo Pereira. They have Rene Gay, Idrissa Gay. Yeah. They have a bunch of midfielders as well. So they the have problem, Julian Draxler. I'm, I'm curious is, as to why they need Gini Wijnaldum in the that midfield. The problem is... All the players you've mentioned, 
all of them are almost they are 30 or almost there except Draxler because uh, Idrissa Gay is 31 uh, Danilo Pereira is going to be 30 uh, I think at the end of the year Gini Wijnaldum is 30 and Leandro Paredes yes he and Draxler are the future so it all depends on how are you going to find a balance and another very important thing when you're charging for a Champions League trophy is the squad depth if you have a good squad depth, you have a better chance of yeah. winning. But City, honestly, just showed you that squad depth doesn't matter when you go up against the Chelsea side. <laughs> but Chelsea actually did have a serious squad depth, yeah. if you think about it. Anyway, yeah, so Genio and Aldam to PSG is the news for today. In other news, honestly, me, Syria is very exciting to me. I don't know, I don't know why. <clears throat> Excuse me, young man, Syria old very, man. <laughs> Syria is very exciting. So There's I, been a bunch of moves in terms of managers in Syria. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about the musical chairs that's happening with managers. And it all started with Jose Mourinho. Um, yeah, being appointed Roma. as uh, the successor to Paul Fonseca. Yeah, so uh, let's start with what happened with Antonio Conte, right? Shortly after, he has a fight with the board of Inter Milan and Decides leaves, to leave, yeah. Right? So what do Inter decide to do? Uh, we are going to look for a young, exciting manager who was also an Italian great in when he's playing football. So who did they get? Simone Inzaghi. Right? Yeah, they go to Lazio and raid for Simone Inzaghi. Right. And then uh, we look at uh, Lazio. Lazio are thinking, who do we have available? Who, who can we call up? Who knows what we need? Who can make Lazio great again? So they get Maurizio Sarri. The Mama Mascara. <laughs> yeah, he was appointed, uh, I think, two days ago. Yeah, so after... Okay, let's go back to the start. Okay, <laughs> let's just go back to the start for a it, minute. It all started with Roma. It all Roma. started with Roma. Yeah. Saying Paul Fonseca is going to leave at the end of the year. So at the end of the season, yeah. So, so they, they look they for re- another Portuguese manager to replace him. Yes, yeah, so they get Jose Mourinho. Mm. Okay, so that happens. And then what happens next? Antonio Conte gets into Yeah, so that's where all the musical chairs start spinning. Yeah. Antonio Conte gets into an argument with the interboard and decides he's going to. He's going to leave. Yeah. So Inter left wanting a manager after just winning the Scudetto. Yeah. So they raid Lazio. For Simone Inzaghi. <laughs> for one of the best managers in the Italian game currently in Simone Inzaghi. Yeah. Lazio are left stranded, but they have money. <laughs> they look for a manager. Mm. They go for... Maurizio Sarri. Former who, Napoli great in Maurizio Sarri. Who was unemployed for, uh, since... Since he left Chelsea. Yeah, no, uh, Juventus. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. yeah, since he was sacked by Juventus, that's last season. Yeah. And then okay, now, so from Mauritius, we, we weren't done there, right? So Napoli decided to part ways with Gennaro uh, Gattuso. And guess who go for his signature? Fiorentina. They sack Iacini. So Iacini goes, here comes in Gattuso. But now Napoli, uh, uh, I left wondering, so who can we get? And guess what they get? Mm-hmm. Spalletti. Luciano Spalletti. <laughs> Formerly of it to Milan. Yeah. So, I mean, it's quite interesting. And some of them have already started making moves before they're even, the seats are even warm. Gattuso, first thing he did, he's looking for one of the players he used the most last season in Napoli, in TMU Bakayoko, <laughs> to come and join him in Fiorentina. So, that is what's been happening in Syria, right? But let's not talk, let, let, let's move a bit. What's up with Portuguese managers in getting jobs so quickly? 
I mean, is it that they are good? I mean, if you look at the league the, they because start out in, it's not the most competitive, first of all. It's either Benfica, Porto, honestly, or Sporting. No, but honestly, looking at it, Benfica's academy is world-renowned. Yes, it is. For true. producing and, either managers or players. Very good players and managers. When we look so at the players, sporting. When we look at the players who've come through Benfica, right? We look at the likes of David Luiz, <laughs> Toby Olvereld. A lot of players were discovered, even James Rodriguez, yeah, they were discovered from that. Yeah. But when we look at the managers who are coming through from uh, Portugal, right? You either have one who will have a good, successful career in the beginning, like Jose Mourinho, but will burn out, right? That's or only one example. You have sense. fails, guys who will never get it started in the same vein as Andre Villas Boas. Pablo Fonseca is going to be in that category very soon. Those guys are just they were just rushed into big jobs when <laughs> it wasn't the time yet for them to go to this. This is like Frank Lampard going to Chelsea last season. Okay. And he when, wasn't ready for that spotlight. He just only spent a year at Derby yeah. in the championship. You don't come in managing a squad <laughs> worth a few billion. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. the reason I was uh, I was talking about the Portuguese manager, it's because Wolves have already replaced Bruno Espirito Santo in the Premier League yeah. with an Another Portuguese Another manager. Portuguese. But honestly, as I, I was Hage, saying, yeah, Laga. Laga. It, yeah, David Laga from, he was the... Benfica manager. Yeah, he was this formerly Benfica manager. That, as I was saying, the Wolves have done that intentionally because if you look at the balance of their squad, it's mostly Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking they were looking for someone to just fill in the shoes of Nuno Espirito Santo, someone who can speak the same language as most of the players in the dressing room. And yeah, it's like their culture is Portuguese. So <laughs> that I understand. But... In terms of Portuguese manager, you even hear of Paul Fonseca, who mm. the other day was just sacked by Roma, being rumored to be going to Tottenham, which is very shocking to many people. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, that's very interesting. Keep an eye out for that news as well, right here on the sports bar. Yeah. But besides that, that's basically it for your weekly wrap, your weekly <laughs> dose, some of your weekly shots. Yeah, now there are few, there's still a couple of managerial positions left. Yeah, there's still a few teams still looking for managers. We'll yeah. keep you updated on those as well. So yeah, Especially just, Everton, that one looks to be interesting, especially Spurs, with the shortlist. Spurs, Spurs looks very interesting too. Uh, I, yeah, but you know, for Spurs, it's Daniel Levy, so they're probably going to get no, they, a big name who cannot do the they job. They're appointing uh, Paratici as their... Yeah, he was already appointed. Yeah, it's not official, he was, but he, he has a hand in all these things going on currently. But yeah. Paratici, like when the deal was coming through for him, it's the same time that the one for Conte fell through. Yeah, but to some honor, he's the one who's been rumored with trying to get Fonseca in the job. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll keep you updated on those. Just follow us on our socials, on Instagram, it's at the Sports Bar KE. And on Facebook, the Sports Bar. Now, I believe that is all for me. So, Mimi Ninanda Karamaji, Buddha Boss, wrap things up. As always, we'll see you next time and thank you for joining us again. Bye-bye.